Before we get to the podcast, I wanted to make sure that you knew that my online knee course with Lenny Macrina is on sale for $200 off this week. If you want to learn exactly how to evaluate and treat the knee, you're going to love our comprehensive course where we cover our clinical examination, exercise progressions, and specific information on ACL, meniscus, patellofemoral, articular cartilage, osteoarthritis, and so much more. Plus, you can earn a ton of CEU credit. The course is on sale this week for $200 off. Head to MikeReynolds.com slash knee for more information and to sign up today. On this episode of the Ask Mike Reynolds Show, we talk about non-op rehab for rotator cuff tears, combating the seated posture, and combining gymnastics and strength training. The Ask Mike Reynolds Show. Helping people feel better, move better, and perform better. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Ask Mike Reynolds Show. We are here to dominate your questions, right? I like that. We're gonna sp- we're gonna change crush the it. intro. Crush we're gonna it. we're gonna crush the your questions today. Uh, up here at Champion PT and Performance up in Boston, um, I'm here with Lenny Macrina, Dave Tilly, our physical therapy crew. One of our strength coaches, Rob Sutton, is uh, is is here to join us for another awesome episode. Again, no student. We need our student rotation. We need to we need to get our next one here. So sorry, um, we're gonna have to read the questions ourselves again. So much Terrible. So Dave's turn to read the questions. All right. Chester from Wyoming. Hi, Chester. I'm a third-year PT student. I just binge-watched your podcast on my 20-hour drive to my next clinical. Wait, Props. you watched our podcast yeah. during your drive? Oh, you listen, binge-listen. <laughs> you binged-listened. <laughs> uh, with the retail rate of rotator cuff repairs so high, yet the majority of PTs still achieving function through PT, should we be taking a conservative approach with all minor rotator cuff tears prior to considering surgery? If so, is there a way to discuss this with the orthopedic surgeon without being detrimental to the professional relationship? All right, so good. So two questions, which is good. So one, okay, so cuff tears, there's a high re-tear rate. There's actually some good uh, outcome studies that show that non-operative rehab is successful for, for especially for some of these smalls. What do you think? Should we be doing more non-op with cuff tears? I'd say have them do surgery. Yeah, right in there. First. No, time. just kidding. No, I mean, obviously, yeah, I mean, that's the first line of defense. It's like anything else. You sprain your knee, you get a meniscus tear, you get... You know, uh, UCL sprain. There's no reason why you could, you should jump into a surgery unless it's like blatantly obvious. You fell off a 40 foot wall, yeah, you know, like you dislocated your shoulder or something like that. But that wouldn't be a small one. Correct. Like, so there wouldn't be a small yeah, one. So right. it would be, it would be something. Definitely the first line defense. Many doctors do approach it that way. Many doctors do not. Right. And so getting that professional relationship, like you mentioned, is critical. Some doctors going to be more open-minded to discussing it with you. Others are already set in their ways, and they've been doing this for 25 years. I know what I'm doing. Leave me alone. You need to – maybe those are docs you're not necessarily working with too closely. I don't know. You know, you do try to approach them and, and, and pre, pre, present some of the research in a professional manner. I like to do things like that in a casual setting versus bringing them donuts to discuss rotator cuff uh, repairs. You know, it's like you just – you're in a casual environment – somewhere, I don't know, at a meeting and hanging out that evening and you want to discuss stuff like that. That's how I find is the best approach, not necessarily in a big presentation form because I think it's 
overwhelming. You're almost stepping on their turf. Yeah, and it's overwhelming for them. They don't want that. Uh, so in my opinion. Especially as a PT student, especially as anyone within your, I don't know, first five, right. ten years. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, if I was a surgeon and some kid came up to me and started talking to me about, you know, maybe I should be doing things differently, I'd be, it'd be a little weird. Um, it's, it's tough with physicians. There's egos involved with, with everybody in every profession, but, you know, there's egos involved. So sometimes it's not worth it. Sometimes it's better to align yourself with physicians that you share similar qualities for. Right. So just maybe in the future, you try to send more people to them or, you know, refer people that way. So that way you create relationships with the right people versus trying to change people to your uh, your thought process, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, you know, that's the only other thing with the cuff I would just say is, you know, I, I have a couple of, you know, mid-50s, uh, you know, f- you know, fitness enthusiasts, CrossFit athletes that um, that I, I'm actually rehabbing right now for post-op surgery, if you're listening, um, <laughs> you probably are, um, if, um, uh, you know, that we're doing post-op, a husband-wife combo, and, and they both had the surgery, but they want to return to... A good level, right? They wanted to assure they have good outcomes with that small. And I will say the retear rates aren't as high for smaller lesions. So you almost, you could almost flip this whole argument the other way and say you want to do surgery with these small ones so that way you have a better chance of it not retearing. And you don't have a chance of it retracting over time and getting bigger and then irreparable if it's retracted. Yeah. I would agree. I think it's really specific to their goal. You know what I mean? I think that it's where they want to be in the end. And I also think that we have to play to our skill set of what we do well. And I think one thing that I, I mean, I haven't seen nearly as many cuffs as you guys have, but like understanding that there's a lot of other contributing factors around just the shoulder that I think sometimes the surgeons maybe don't overlook. You know, like people come with this raging thoracic kyphosis and they're really stiff in their neck. It's like, well, that affects your mobility. It affects all those things. So they're really good at looking at shoulders and seeing this is what's going on. This is what I think about the cuff. But conservatively, when you're in that approach, look around it, make sure there's other things we can fix while that shoulder may be a little flared up, a little yeah. cranky, you know? And those two people that Mike talked about did do a pre-op course. Yep. which only helps them. Touch base yeah. with right. us. And right, So it was pretty known that they probably needed surgery after trying conservative. Yeah. Right. No, there's a difference between, like, you know, treating an outcome and then treating the causes, how, how you mm-hmm. got to the outcome. It's sure. pretty much like what you were saying. Yeah. Sure. You know, yeah. Between PT and MD, uh, a lot of times we are looking for the reasons. Right. A lot of times it's an MRI or the symptoms, you know. And yeah. So get a good relationship with your referring physician. <laughs> What's <laughs> next, Dave? All right. So, Ryan, does, does Dave need a nickname for... Uh, the Davidator. For, the Davidator. <laughs> no, I can't. I can't step on Gabe's toes. <laughs> um, all right. Dave from Washington. <laughs> Ryan from Washington, D.C. <laughs> Hi, Ryan. Uh, I'm a full-time student who is constantly stuck in long positions of cervical, thoracic, lumbar flexion. Are there any exercises, stretches, or strategies that you recommend that can help offset this posture problem? You, you have I have the squeakiest shoes. <laughs> only sneakers that squeak at all times. Dude, Nike Metcons, they're squeaky. Can you imagine working with this all day? Hey, Mike, fast me Oh, my Lord. <laughs> what was the question? Um, oh, he's sitting. He's, 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 he's sitting like reading a lot or typing a lot. Are there things that you suggest to help combat that? Let's, let's simplify this, right? Stand up. I, I'm, I'm going to say, I still got to write this blog post. I get this in my head for like a year now, but um, sitting's not bad for you. Let's get that out of the way. Not moving out of a sitting posture is what's bad for you. Never reversing that. So I call it reverse posturing, right? So if you're sitting flexed all day, you got to extend at some point to reverse that posture posture you know so you know get on your stomach doing some prone exercises whatever it may be you gotta get you have to get out of that it's okay to sit like this all day but you have to get out of that you know just as much to kind of maintain that yeah. i think too much of anything is a bad thing you know yeah. what I mean? I, we try to explain to patients that again like sitting's not bad but if i like literally went like this for 
you know, six hours, eventually something would start to bug me. You know, it's just that being stuck in one thing. Yeah, I, so I, we try it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, and I don't, I don't know the dose, right? I actually do I think know. if you sit all day, let's say you sit for ten hours a day, actually, we probably all sit more than that. Mm-hmm. But if you sit for ten hours a day, I don't know if like two sets of ten of like a prone exercise is enough. I don't know. I, I think it may be though. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's that bad. I think you just have to tell your body, your brain, your tissue that like, hey, you know, I still want to extend. Sometimes I don't want to just live in flexion. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think the dose needs to be high. But I don't, I don't think we know that answer. But um, but anyway, yeah, what else? All right, Josh from Texas. Hi, Josh. Uh, hello, I know Dave works with gymnasts. I see gymnasts that are some of the strongest people in the world, and I've heard they mostly stick to bodyweight work, yet they are incredibly strong. Do you see any benefit for these athletes, uh, for general athletes, to incorporate gymnastics work as part of their strength training? Hmm. Hmm. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, finally, yes. Yeah, um, it's like asking uh, somebody at Burger King for a Big Mac. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I think uh, there is benefit to um, the general population doing some gymnastics work, not like the crazy stuff you see, but it's just like really good for basic body awareness, I guess. Coordination, balance, those are flexibility, just fundamental pr- principles of gymnastics. And some people get surprised by how they can't manage their own limbs well. You know, just doing some very basic gymnastics movements sometimes are really challenging because they haven't been exposed to that. They've been maybe in the weight room more traditionally or in a sport for their life. So I think it's good. You got to be very, uh, very cautious about how you approach it because uh, years of progression in gymnastics are, get you to some of the hardest stuff that you see. Um, and it is true that, you know, they do a lot of volume for body weight uh, conditioning. So it makes them relatively and proportionally strong to manage their own body weight. But I will say um, a huge trend is moving in gymnastics to using more external load and more uh, strength training. It's more traditional because um, we're still seeing that athletes, although they look, you know, maybe very jacked, they sometimes cannot handle the huge forces in the sport. So Right. Well, and also to balance the imbalances. Correct. You know, yeah. so so they're getting hypertrophied in certain areas due to what they're doing, but right. perhaps they're doing too much imbalance. They are no there. different than a swimmer, mm-hmm. a baseball player who have all this underlying laxity, yet are strong in the sport that they do. Yep. Something's got to give eventually. Something yep. you know, tissue's going to break down. Maybe smaller cuff muscles get overwhelmed by the bigger deltoid muscles, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just like any other sport, whether it's swimming, baseball. You know, with gymnastics, mm-hmm. we're not just powerlifting, Olympic lifting, or not lifting. We there's a fine line. Yeah, there's extremes, there's those extremes or anything. As we talk about a ton in our podcast, is usually not good. And I'm that right in the middle kind of guy. Yep. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks, guys. Another great episode. We appreciate it. Go to MikeReynolds.com. Click on the podcast link. Ask us any question you want. We're getting great questions. We have so many questions. Some really good ones. Just keep firing away. Uh, subscribe to this uh, on iTunes and other apps. Um, leave us a nice review. All those fun things. We want to hear from you um, so we can keep making this podcast better. So thanks, guys. We'll see you next time. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, head to MikeRinald.com slash podcast and fill out the form to submit your question. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And please share this with your friends to help spread the word. It would really mean so much to us. Please check out all my online courses, articles, newsletter, and more at MikeRinald.com. There's always a ton of great perks for my newsletter subscribers. And be sure to check for my other podcast, the Sports Physical Therapy Podcast, where I go deep into topics and interview leaders within our field. See you on the next episode.